Father in heaven, thank you so much that we have this opportunity once more to come and study your word together. Lord, as we continue to study these parables, the, the Holy Spirit has inspired these writers to, to, to code these messages so that it can only be open to those that are attentive to the voice of your Spirit. And so, Father, I just pray that you speak to us, not just through my words, not just from the Bible itself, but through the voice of your Holy Spirit. Impress the truth upon our hearts this evening is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is our second to last study on the parables, and we are continuing a little mini-series that we started already two weeks ago on Matthew 24 and 25. This is the third one we're having that we're looking at. It is the parable of the talents. And, you know, Jesus, he taught these parables back to back to back to back. And they were all connected to what? Last day events, end time events. And in relation to how we should be watching, we should be waiting, we should be ready for the second coming of Jesus. So let's get into our first text for this evening in Matthew 25, 14 to 15. The Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. So this man, he is going into a far country, and this is none other than Jesus Christ. And when did this man leave to go into this far country? When did Jesus go into this far country? We read in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. It was at the ascension of Jesus in Acts chapter 1 there, after he resurrected from the dead, after he had spent 40 days with his disciples, he ascended up into heaven. He went into a far country to prepare mansions for each and every one of us there. So this parable is very much applicable to those that are living in these times. It's not about the Old Testament. It's not about the Jews. It's those that would live at the end of time, or really from the ascension of Christ and onwards. And who the, do these servants represent? Let's go to another Bible text in John chapter 12 and verse 26. The Bible says, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. And so, you know, in previous studies, we've looked at the servants, and they represented the servants of God in regards to prophets, in regards to teachers and pastors and apostles and evangelists. But we see here in John chapter 12 that the servant was much more than just that. You see, they represent any follower of Jesus Christ, any person who wishes to follow and to commit their life to Christ. And so that is every one of us this evening. I hope that every one of us here as we're listening is a servant of God. If we follow Jesus, if we call him our Savior and our Lord, we are represented in this 
parable of the talents, and we are one of those servants. So before this man leaves into a far country, he delivers to his servants his own goods, his own possessions, his own belongings. What are these goods? They are the talents. They are the talents. To one he gave five talents. To one he gave two talents. And to one he gave one talent. Notice the Bible. It says that he gave it according to their ability, meaning he gave it to what he gave to them what they could handle, what their capacity was. There was no advantage just because one would receive more talents than the other. It doesn't mean that one was more blessed than the other, or one would um, be more respected or more highly exalted than the other. No, there was seemingly no advantage to get more talents. And this word talent here, it doesn't mean talent in terms of what we normally understand it to be, like singing, or the talent of cooking, or the talent of of, uh, reading, or, or speaking, or whatever it is. You know, certainly we can apply that to this later in the study. But when we look at this talent here, the word talent actually means money, okay? It means money. And so with more talents that we have, the more responsibility that we have as well. So the different servants, they had different amounts of money that was entrusted to them from the Lord, from the master. And so after he does that, of course, he probably would have given some instruction before he left, which we don't read of, but he departs and he goes off into the far country. And so what do these servants do with these talents. Let's keep reading in Matthew 25, shall we? Matthew 25, 16 to 18. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So the first one, the one that had five talents, the Bible says that he went and traded and he gained five more talents, meaning he had 10 in total. The second one had two talents. He also went and traded and he gained two extra as well. But then the Bible says when it came to that last one, the one that only had received one talent, what did he do? He went and hid his talent in the earth. The first two doubled their talents, whereas the last one remained at the one talent that was given to him originally at the very beginning. And how did the first two do it? How did they gain or double their talents? The Bible said they had to trade it. They had to use the money that was given to them and use that to go and make more, right? So, That's what they did. And we're going to look at this concept of trading later on in the parable. But let's continue reading first to get a bit more information, shall we? Matthew 25, 19 to 23. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So by and by, what we read here is that the master, he finally returns and he comes back to take an account of his servants, to reckon with his servants, to to see what his servants had done with the talents that he had left behind for them. And so when he comes to the first one, the first one, he had doubled his money. He had doubled it up to to 10 talents. And what did the master say? Well done, thou good and faithful servants. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord, right? And he was commended. He had been faithful. He had been faithful over a few things, just five talents. But now the Lord was ready to make him ruler over much, much more. And the interesting thing is when we come to the second servant, the one that had two talents, okay? So the Lord comes to him and says, okay, second servant, what have you done with the two talents? He also had gone out and traded and doubled his money. And when the master hears that, what does he say to the servant? He says exactly the same words, exactly to the first servant. The one who had five talents doubled up to ten. He was commended. And the second servant who had two talents doubled up to four, which was not even the same amount of what was given the first servant at the very beginning, right? But he doubled his talents as well. And the master said exactly the same words to this second servant as he said to the first. Notice there was no distinction between him that had five talents and him that had two talents. There was no distinction. They both received the same rewards because they both had doubled what had been given to them. You see, both of them had been faithful in that which was least by making use of and trading the talents that had been entrusted to them. So they both were made ruler over many things. The second servant was not rewarded um, less because he had only two talents. No, that was not the case, right? We see that. The master was looking at the fidelity of his servant, his faithfulness in using what had been entrusted to him, no matter the amount. And in terms of percentage-wise, the first servant and the second servant were on the same level. Both of them had doubled what had been given to them. So there was no distinction. And so we can see clearly here from this parable so far that there was no advantage whatsoever in receiving five talents. Of course, look, when we go to the, the world that we live in today, five, five gold bars is always worth more than two gold bars. There's always an advantage to five gold bars as compared to two gold bars, right? But you see, the master wasn't saying, okay, you who received two, you better make sure you get 10 as well, just like this guy who received five. No, he was only expected to double. In exactly the same way, the one with five 
was also expected to double. So in actual fact, if you received more, you had to produce more as well. Do you see that? If you received five, you were expected to gain five as well. Whereas the one that received two only had to gain two, right? So in both cases, they both doubled their talents, but the first servant actually had more pressure on him to perform better to make sure he got more. So more given, more responsibility. But sometimes we see it from the reverse end, right? We see five talents, bigger advantage. Compared to two talents, less advantage. But that wasn't the case. But now, let's come to that last servant. The one that was only delivered one servant. Based upon what we've looked at already, we should think that this last servant, it should have been easiest for him because he only had one talent. He only had to double to one talent. But we know that he went and hid the money in the earth. He digged in the earth and he went and hid the money there. And that's what he did. But let's see his interaction with the master. Matthew 25, 24 and 25. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. So the servant that had only received one talent, he returns only one talent back to the master. He didn't double it like the first or the second servant. And what's the reason that this third servant, the one that received one talent, what's the reason that he gives to the master as to why he feels justified in giving back only one talent? What was the reason that he gave? He says that he knew that the Lord was a hard man. What does that word hard mean? It means tough. It means fierce. So the 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 third servant, he had this perception of his master as if he was a, a tough boss, a fierce boss, one to be feared, right? One to be afraid of. And he says, the Lord, he reaps where he has not sown and he gathers where he has not strawed or scattered. That's what the word strawed means. So this servant looks at the Lord and perceives him to be an unjust employer. Okay, you reap where you've not sown. So, you know, you, you go into other people's fields and you gather from them. It's like you're stealing, right? Or you, you, you're trying to get us to do things that are not just. So he, he looks at the, the Lord in a very negative light. And in fact, really, it is a false view. It's something that he's made up in his own mind and it wasn't justified of the Lord who was just standing there listening to him as to why he didn't double his talent, you see? So he was, he was saying, I'm afraid of you, I'm afraid of you. So that's why I went and hid my money in the earth. But we know that his view of the Lord was a false view. Why? First, the other servants didn't view him this way, right? They performed. Second, the Lord's reception of the first two servants, they weren't unjust. They simply doubled what they had and that was enough for the master. And he says, oh, you've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. And lastly, 
There is nowhere do we see the Lord treating the servants in an unjust way. Maybe he was comparing himself with others. Why do you get five and I only got one? But even then, it didn't justify the fact of why he would go and bury his talent in the earth. But yet, the servant says, you were like this, so I was afraid and went and hid the talent. Now, if we stop the parable there, we could gather some conclusions that would probably be different from what was written. You know, maybe the servant was really afraid of losing the talent that was given to him. So he was being really careful. So that's why he went and hid it. He knew where he hid it. He was faithful in keeping that one talent safe, but he didn't double it. Maybe the servant didn't know what to do with the money. But actually, that's not possible because the first two servants knew. You see that? So what was the actual problem then? with this third servant. How did the Lord reply? After he heard him saying, okay, tell me why you didn't double your talents? What happened? Why did you hide it only in the earth? The Lord knew. Let's continue reading Matthew 25, verses 26 and 27. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed, Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury or interest. You see, what does the Lord actually call this the servant? He calls him a lazy, a wicked, and a slothful servant, which is the word lazy, right? So you see, the servant was actually not scared of the Lord at all. He was lazy. He procrastinated. He He despised the responsibility that had been placed upon him. He kept pushing back his duties until it was too late. He was just procrastinating. He was slothful. And so when the Lord came to reckon with him about his duties, instead of owning up to the problem that he himself had of being lazy, he made an excuse. He, he, he gave a false impression of who the Lord was as if, why are you coming to, to ask me of that one talent you gave me, right? And he painted the Lord in an unjust light, reaping where he had not sown and, and gathering where he had not strawed. He gave an unjust view of the Lord when in fact the reality was his laziness was that which put him in this situation. However, the Lord doesn't stop there. He uses the servant's words against him, right? If I really was like what you called me, if I really was like a person that would gather in where I have not scattered, where I would reap where I have not sown, at least that that fear of, of you against me should have driven you to gone and done something. That how you knew if I was that sort of boss, and he wasn't. But he said, if you're saying I'm like that, why weren't you afraid enough to go and do something, right? That fear should have driven you to at least put it into the bank, to the exchanges. And when I came, at least I could have gained some interest, maybe not double, but at least I would have gotten something back rather than just the one talent that I gave you at the very beginning. So we can clearly see the excuse that this wicked and slothful servant gave was simply that, an excuse at best. The Lord was not unjust. The Lord did not treat him that way. It's just he was looking for something, for some reason, to just pin the problem on him rather than on himself. 
And you know, sometimes we're like that, isn't it? We like to give excuses for everything when in reality, we are the problem. And we've got to be so careful with this. And so finally, what does the Lord do to this wicked and slothful servant? Let's finish up this parable here. Matthew 25, 28 to 30. Take therefore the talents from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servants into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the talent, the Lord instructs the other servants to take that talent from him and to be given to the other servants. But what does it mean that he that, 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 he that shall be given more, that he that has shall be given more, and he that has not shall be taken away already that which shall be given? It was not in regards to, oh, you have less, I'm just going to take it away. No, but it's he failed to exercise the, the, the use of trading of those talents and it wasn't utilized to the full amount. So he says, okay, since you didn't need it anyways, I will take it away from you. Since you didn't use it, I will take it away from you and give it to someone else and maybe they will use it as well. So that's why to him that has, they will be given more. But it's not just because they have in amount, but they were the ones that utilized what was given to them. And he that hath not in regards to what? I don't have the desire to make use of the talents that you have given to me. And you know, friends, God has given us, every single one of us, at least one talent each. And this is where we can apply it, not just the money, but even to gifts, talents that God has given to us. Whether it's singing, it can be cooking, it can be the talent of working with our hands or even speaking. Even the gift of money. Yes, it can be in that regard. Whatever you have in your bank account, whatever God has blessed you with in regards to talents, all of that is from God. And you know, we might be tempted to think that we earned that money with our own abilities, but it was God that has given us the strength to go and earn it. It was, given, it was God that gave you that power of intellect for your studies, for the business decisions that you had to make, for the research, all of that, so that you could go get to the stature that you are today. Everything that we have, all that we own, it is from God, whether you recognize it or not. And maybe some of us might think that we don't have much. So we don't have to give much or to be accountable to much. But we can clearly see that from this parable, it is not the case. God doesn't look so much at the amount that we have. He looks at how we make use of what we have already. And everyone has something, at least one. You know, there are many out there that you see and maybe people that you know that you admire. It's like, wow, they have five, they have 10, they have 20 talents, you know. And we wonder, God, why didn't give me, right? I wish I could have a better voice to sing. I, I, I can't sing well, you know. I, I can sing bass, but I don't think it sounds very nice. I, I, I love those people that can sing, you know, to stand up just solo and sing such a pure voice, even without any instrument. You know, we, we get jealous of other people's talents. But you know, friends, God has given to every one of us at least one. At least one. 
God has not left a single person here on this earth without a talent. This much is obvious from the parable. Okay? And moreover, we are, we are not born into situations without our own control. Clearly, from the parable, God has given us talents according to our ability. God knows much how much we can handle. He knows how much He can bestow upon us. And so instead of looking at other people's talents and lamenting the fact that we are not like them, that we're not able to be like them, and, and I think sometimes we lament the fact that we're not like them is because we don't get the recognition. We don't get the fame that they, they get, you know. So instead of looking at other people's talents, we need to cultivate an attitude of thanksgiving and, and contentment to be thankful to God for all that He has given us without always focusing on what we don't have. So where you are right now, wherever you're listening from, I want you to remember this. Whatever situation you're in, whatever God has blessed you with, He's given it to your ability according to your capacity. But it's up to us to do what? To trade it. It's up to us to multiply it and increase it. It's up to us to go out and increase those talents and double it. That's what God wants to, us to do. And we got to trade. And that word trading, it simply means to work, to be engaged, to toil, to commit. So if, if we want to increase our talents, we actually have to use them. God might have given you the gift of singing, but if you don't want to sing, if you don't want to practice, if you don't want to go onto YouTube and learn how to warm up your voice and, you know, make it sound better and whatever it is, how can God bless even more? Some of us really just have that natural talent of singing, right? But not everybody does. But if God has given it to us, we got to work to increase it, to make it a blessing to all these other people out there. And God, He's given us all these talents, really, to do what? You see, when the Lord came back, He was expecting not just five talents from the first, He was expecting ten. All the talents were given back to the Lord. And the God in heaven, my dear brothers and sisters, God has given us talents not to benefit our own life, not to be used just in this world to earn a living, not just to go throughout this world and gain fame and notoriety, right? God has given us these talents that we might give Him back the glory, that we would give it right back to Him. God blesses us and one day He will come back and reckon with us as well. Calculate with us, how have we multiplied those talents? First, have we been faithful in trading it? First, have we been diligent in using it and training and doing our very best to make the very best of our ability. It's like taking that dry cloth and yet there's still a little bit of dampness in it and we squeeze it to the very best of our ability. Maybe we just get one drop, but at least we got one. But it takes effort to squeeze it out. It takes effort to multiply our talents. It takes effort. And God, after He sees the effort that we put in. He's asking, have you used that effort for my glory? Have you used that talent that I've given you? Not, not just to give fame and, and, and money to yourself, but have you exalted my name? Have you exalted my character or are you just using it? 
for selfish purposes, just to earn money without any thought of the Lord that gave it to you. You know, friends, many a good meaning Christian started off their singing careers in church. And when they were vaulted to fame, they all forgot the God that gave them that talent. And, you know, if we're to trade our talents, if we are to work, then it requires effort. Sometimes we hold the work that we do for the Lord to a low standard. Do you know that, friends? We don't put in as much effort working for the Lord as we do for ourselves or for our own glory or for our own survival. The person who cultivates their talents to earn millions will put in effort, will practice, will get up early, they'll push, they'll study, they'll improve themselves to the very best of their ability. But somehow when it comes to the Lord's work, we're just content to do the bare minimum. Trading talents for God also requires our best efforts. God is not happy or satisfied with a low standard. He wants His children to give their best, to try their very hardest, to plan with the very best of intellect so that we can double our talents, that that we can be a greater blessing to not just to God but to everyone out there. But in order to do that, friends, we've got to put in the hard work, the hard yards, the extra effort. God wants the best of the best, the best of our intellect, the best of our efforts, whether that's waking up earlier to pray or putting more effort in to study the Bible so that we can teach or even going to church early to help set up and prepare and you know get ready for others to come, even practicing and doing our best in singing and leading. God also wants and deserves our very best. Even when it comes to piano playing for church, we should put in effort to practice, to make sure that we're ready to give God the very best sound from the fingers as they touch the keys. And you know, friends, it requires effort. The Lord in the parable left behind these goods before He went away. What did Jesus actually leave behind when He ascended up into heaven in Acts chapter 1, right? He said He was going up, but... God did leave something behind. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. What were these gifts? We jump over to verse 11. You'll see that verse 10, uh, 9 and 10 were in parenthesis. What are these gifts? He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Friends, what were these gifts? It was for the work of ministry. It was for the saving of souls, for being a blessing to mankind. When Jesus left behind these gifts, it was not any gift to glorify self. And we see that Jesus left behind something else. When it comes to gifts, what else did he leave behind? John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Friends, what was it that Jesus left behind? It was the Holy Spirit. It was his presence. It was God's Spirit that was to be poured out in Acts chapter 2 that would be poured out on the disciples that were praying, that were fasting for 10 days. They were together in the upper room, 120 of them. 
God would pour out His Spirit. And what are these gifts of the Spirit that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8-11? to 11. Look at this. For to one is given the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh, that one and the self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Friends, what are these gifts that God left behind, that Jesus left behind? It's the talent of preaching, the talent of faith and believing that God, He will set up institutions in His name, the talent of healing, the talent of speaking in tongues, which is simply interpretation of one language to another, from Mandarin into English or Spanish into German or whatever it is, people that have the talent of translating. And so friends, these talents are more than just money or a talent of singing, but really it's a talent that would be given and used to glorify God. My dear brothers and sisters, we must use all these gifts and talents that God has given to us for the upbuilding of His kingdom. God did not give you talent for your own selfish pride or to stroke your ego or to say, hey, look at me and become the most famous person on earth. He didn't give you the talent of thinking and intellect just so that you could score straight A's so you can get into medicine and have a comfortable life for the rest of your life. No, He wanted you to use that intellect in the same way that you use for your studies, in the same way that you use for the business, for the glory of God. Why not set up a business for church? Why not think and think of plans and execute for God's work? Everyone has a work allotted to them that only they can fulfill. But it's up to us to be faithful to that which God has called us. No one else can fill that place for us. My dear brothers and sisters, are you using the talents that God has given to you for the very best of His work? Are you using that which God has given to you for the upbuilding of His kingdom, for the spreading of the gospel, to hasten the second coming of Jesus. It's not so much that you're just not simply doing anything bad, but what good are you doing for the Lord? Today, God has not called you simply to just come and listen to a sermon or listen there to someone teaching the Bible. He's calling you to be His representative, to be His minister, to be an apostle or a teacher. God I know for certain, has equipped each and every one of us with talents to be a blessing. The Abrahamic covenant to bless the whole world. God wanted to bless Abraham and through him bless the whole world. Yes, that covenant was found in Jesus Christ, but Jesus, through him, we get greater blessings. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Do you recognize the gifts of the Spirit? in your life? Do you recognize what God has equipped you with? Do you recognize God's call in your life? You know, at the end of time, when we come and stand before the judgment seat of Christ, all excuses will be swept away. We can't say, oh, oh, oh God, I, I thought you to be a hard master, like that slothful servant, right? 
The only reason why maybe that servant looked at him as a hard and fierce man was because he knew judgment was coming and he was afraid. And so he tried to, to, to poke at, at, at the Lord instead of manly standing up, manfully standing up and owning up to his problem of laziness. All our excuses will be swept away in that great day. He has blessed each of us with so much. What are we doing today to show how much we appreciate all these good gifts that He's bestowed upon us? How can we use these talents that God has given to us to glorify His name and to be a blessing to everyone around us? In this new year, may we use all the blessings for God, for its intended purpose to be a blessing. Let's stop living for self. Let's stop focusing on our portfolios and uh, how many properties we have or how early I can retire or how, how, you know, how many degrees I need to get. Let's stop living for self. Let's be practical and start living for God today. Surely, Jesus is coming very soon. May all the talents that we have, may all the blessings that we have be used for His honor and His glory alone. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, please forgive us because so often the talents that You have given to us, we've used for selfish purposes. We've hoarded all the blessings for ourselves. We've taken it thinking that we deserve it because this is my talent. This is my effort. And we forget that the talent was given to us. It was lent to us. It was a blessing from heaven to each and every one of us. Forgive us, O Lord, where we have focused so much, so selfishly upon our own lives, where we've hoarded up the treasures of this earth, using the talents not for your glory, but for our own. Lord, please, today, help us to see from our homes to the money in our accounts to the talents in our bodies, all of us, we must shine as lights to be a blessing to this world. Lord, help us to be like that. Help us to be like Jesus. Everything that He had, and it wasn't much on this earth, but everything that He had was used to glorify You. And so, Father, We want to surrender our lives again to you this evening. Ask that you would please bless us. Fill us with your spirit, not so that we can hoard more talents and gifts, but your spirit would push us forward in love for humankind, that we might be a blessing to everybody out there. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering this prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.